I am really excited about this year's initiative and the opportunity we all have to come together, open our hearts and our hands, and generously provide so that we can make a significant difference in our communities and a couple of places around the world. I want to encourage everybody of all ages, you plan and you pray about this. And I think it will be fun to see and watch our initiative unfold and again, how God uses all of this. Well, today is a special day as we begin a new Christmas theme. And I'm thinking back to last December when we were not meeting in person due to the pandemic. So it feels really good to see all of you in person and certainly to welcome everyone watching online. God has certainly created a lighted path back home to him, and it's exciting to be together. Speaking of being back home, this Sunday represents the fourth anniversary of us opening the doors to this church building. So can we thank God for that? Yeah. Happy four-year anniversary and welcome home, Valley Point. Now, you probably want to just skip my portion of this and have the team come back out and sing, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him, because that was really tasty and good. We're going to have more of that in the weeks to come. I want to pause, though, and just invite God to help us step back and think and reflect and open his word and allow it to speak to us today. So will you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for today and for the privilege of gathering. As I think back on last December, as we celebrated the advent of Jesus, we had to do that in different ways because we couldn't be in our church home. But here we are a year later together and celebrating and thinking, and responding to your greatness, and praying, and allowing your word to transform us into the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's a beautiful thing, and we're grateful. We're grateful for four years of being in this church home, and so thankful for how you have used this place to shape us and challenge us. We've laughed in this room. We've cried. We've prayed. We've lifted our hearts in song. So many different things have happened in this place. It's a sacred place. And you meet us here, and we're grateful for it. Give us many, many, many more years of gathering as a community of faith and coming together and being encouraged with the faith of others as we see them and as we stand next to them and respond to you. Give us many more years of this. God, today as we begin a new month, use your word to challenge and encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Welcome to the lighted path back home. 
This is our Christmas theme that will carry us all the way through Christmas Eve. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you would say that you are an apprentice and you are seeking to go after the way of Jesus, then I would encourage you to lean into what we discover because this is critical content for us in the next several weeks. If you're not so sure about Jesus, kind of wondering about him, well, I'm really glad that you're here, and I hope this is a meaningful time for you. I would just encourage you to do this. Open your heart to God's love and personalize it because it is for you. God's love, this incredible big thing that is so difficult to describe, it is for you. And I would just encourage you to open your heart to that. I want to begin the first Sunday in December with this thought. And here it is. Pride in orthodoxy, left or right, or in a form of religion is a great danger that can be overcome by paying attention to Jesus himself. So think about this. Pride in orthodoxy, left or right, or in a form of religion. Well, this is a great danger that can be overcome by paying attention to Jesus himself. It's this paying attention to Jesus himself phrase that I find to be captivating. And do we really need that kind of a challenge? as people following the way of Jesus, especially at this time of the year when we think about his advent, his arrival into the world, do we really need this kind of challenge to pay attention to Jesus? The answer is yes. We definitely need this kind of challenge. So here's a question for all of us to consider. What would it look like If we started the month of December, then that's essentially what we're doing today. So just think with me. What would it look like if we started the month of December with a pause of sorts and we actually paid attention to Jesus? Right? What if we did that? And I just have this stirring in my heart and in my soul for us as a faith community that we would do more than the usual things throughout the month of December because it seems like the month is often this. And see if this is true for you. We go to work or we go to school, we eat, we watch a few Hallmark Christmas movies, we watch a few sporting events, we shop, we wrap presents, we come to a Christmas Eve gathering, we hold a candle and sing Silent Night, and then we step into a new year, the same person. Except we're often exhausted. Like, I need a break from celebrating the birth of Jesus. Like, I need a vacation from Advent. May it not be so for us this year. May it not be so. May God stir in us in a different kind of way. And these are the stirrings inside of me that I want to pass on to you as we meet for the first time this month 
to say, what would it look like if we just paused and said, let's actually pay attention to Jesus. And yeah, there's all this other stuff that occurs. And there's all these other events that we engage in throughout the month. But what would it look like if we stepped back from all of that right away to say, I'm going to pay attention to Jesus and allow God to stir in my heart? That actually leads us to our big idea for today. Here it is. Allow God's gift of himself to stir your heart toward inner righteousness. And ultimately, this is Advent. This is the arrival of Christ. It's God's gift of himself. And we want to allow this right at the beginning of the month to stir the inside of us to righteousness. So I think this month is about what God wants to do on the inside of each and every person here and certainly each person watching online. And may we open our hearts to him, right? May we become vulnerable before God and before each other. May we invite him to challenge us and to convict us. May we confess as necessary so that our inner righteousness can be developed in such a way that we truly are transformed into the image of Jesus for the sake of other people. So let's allow God's gift of himself. That's Advent. God coming through for us. Let's allow God's gift of himself to stir our hearts toward inner righteousness. With your Bible or with your device, I want to invite you to join me in finding the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. 2 Corinthians is a great New Testament book that comes right after 1 Corinthians and right before Galatians. And while you're finding that, here's what we need to know about this great book that will help us understand what God wants us to know today. 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. He was one of the great leaders in the early church and a prolific writer of the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a group of people living in the city of Corinth. Corinth was the most important city in Greece during Paul's day. It was a bustling hub of worldwide commerce. It was a hot spot and a place to live and a place to be. The city was filled with all kinds of shrines and temples to different gods, with the biggest temple being the temple of Aphrodite, who was known as the goddess of love, which sounds great, except that her temple was a house of prostitution. And that's why people came to the city of Corinth, to engage in prostitution and to escape morality. Well, in spite of these challenges, with everything happening in this cosmopolitan type of city, God enabled the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey to establish a church in this city. And you can read all about that in Acts chapter 18. Well, the purpose of the book of 2 Corinthians, and it's important to remember, whenever we talk about Scripture and whenever we look at a specific book, every book in the Bible has a purpose statement or a reason for why it was written 
And I think it's valuable to know that because everything within that book in some way will point to that purpose. So as we think about allowing God's gift of himself to stir our hearts toward inner righteousness, I think we have a gem right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it really flows from the purpose of the book. So the purpose of 2 Corinthians was that Paul wanted to spur the Corinthian believers to obedience and to a renewed commitment to Jesus in the middle of a city that was notorious for living their own way. That's the whole purpose of the book. And everything we discover here in some way points to this challenge that Paul wanted to give to the Corinthian believers that I believe is very appropriate for us today as well. So these ancient words still matter. These ancient words still speak to us because they're God's words. Paul wrote this to challenge these believers in the midst of a city that was doing their own thing to pay attention to Jesus. Like keep your eyes on him with with everything going on around you and with all of the distractions and with all of the morality issues. Eyes on Jesus. Pay attention to him. That's the challenge that Paul gives. So with that in mind, we step into the middle of a conversation that Paul is having in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. Here's what he says. Either way, and he's just referring back to what he had already mentioned in earlier verses. Either way, Corinthian believers, Christ's love controls us, which is a great phrase. And if you'd like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to do that with this phrase. Christ's love controls us. So I want to pause here because in the construction of the sentence here, either way, Christ's love controls us. The word control there means to hold together. So the Apostle Paul is basically saying, Christ's love, here's what it does for me, and here's what it can do for you. It can hold you together so that you can live for someone besides yourself. Either way, Christ's love, it holds us together. It controls us. Paul goes on to say, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old self. He died for everyone. (laughs) Another extraordinary line in this passage. He, Jesus, here's what he did. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will, and here's the key phrase and what we need at the start of the month. Here it is, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Okay, so let this kind of fall into your spirit here at the beginning of the month. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And Paul is making a case here. He's pleading with the Corinthians. And I think he is pleading with us as well. 
Because again, this is the living and active word of God. So it was written in a specific time and place, but yet this is for us. So the Apostle Paul, he's pleading with the Corinthians and he's pleading with us. Christ died for all. And everyone can receive forgiveness of sins through the work of Jesus. Maybe you've never heard that before. Or maybe you've never considered that for you personally. That Christ died for you. Put your name in there. Christ died for you and everyone can have forgiveness of sins through the work of Christ. And since Christ gave his life, this is what Paul is pleading with them and with us. And he's saying, since Christ gave his life for us, we should live and we can live for the one who died for us. And guess what? Christ's love is holding us together, enabling us to do this and to have impact in the lives of other people. Great, right? Wonderful news. Christ died for all and forgiveness of sins is available by trusting in him and Christ's love is holding us together to do this, to actually live in service for other people. Great. It doesn't sound like Christmas, does it? Where's the shepherds and the magi and Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and the chorus of angels and everything else we think of when we consider the manger scene and the birth of Jesus. This almost sounds a little bit more like Easter. There's death and resurrection and forgiveness of sins. Advent is about the birth of Christ. Exactly. Exactly. Advent is a reminder that in Jesus, God breaks through for us. And so we kind of go back a little bit and we think about the love of Christ and its availability for every single person. And may we never forget that God loved. This is what scripture tells us. And what we know about God and his care and his compassion that he loved so much that he sent his only son for us and he came and he was born. That's Advent. And when we trust in his work to rescue us, we get to live for him. And Christ's love holds us together so we can actually accomplish this. I think the question becomes how? How does that actually happen? And I want you to think about this. Living for Jesus, when we attempt that, And when we see that occurring in our lives, and this is even how we know, living for Jesus at some point always turns outward to others. It always does. Jesus himself even said this when he was talking to some of his followers in John chapter 13. Just listen to these words. Here's Jesus talking. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Here's what I want you to do. You followers, (laughs) you apprentices, here's what I want for you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And again, I just have this stirring in my heart and 
in my soul, and I want to pass it on to you as we begin this new month, that we pay attention to the arrival of Jesus and all of his work, including his death and resurrection, and how Christ's love actually holds us together so that we can do what he said in John chapter 13, and that is love other people. And this is how we know we are followers of Christ. Turns outward. So how does this help us think about the lighted path back home? I mean, here we are the first Sunday of December. We're not even talking about the birth of Jesus. So how does this help us think about the lighted path? Well, here's what I'd like to do. I want to light some lanterns now and just share some practical ways that we all can begin this month remembering the love of God and how Christ's love holds us together so that we can be of service to others and cultivate some inner righteousness to think about what might need to happen on the inside, what we might need to adjust or add or change so that we can live the way that Christ wants us to live and ride above all of the noise of the month of December. So here's our pause, right? This is our chance just to kind of step back and say, okay, God whispers some things into my heart, and I want to light some lanterns in a practical way that I hope will do this. So here's the lighted path to a better December with Christ's love holding us together. Ready? Shake your head a little bit so I know you're still with me. Wonderful. Five takeaways. Number one, here's how I think we can cultivate inner righteousness. Here we go. Hold to weekly Sabbath and weekly worship. Like just determine right now. And you're doing it. You're here today or watching. So congratulations, you're doing this. I want to encourage you to hold to weekly Sabbath and weekly worship. I think these two things work well together. We rest in Jesus, which then enables us to respond to him and to his greatness. So the encouragement here is maybe you need to say no to some things that are great things, but might pull you away a little bit from weekly Sabbath and weekly worship so that you can really keep cultivating inner righteousness all month long and ride above the chaos that often comes with what we celebrate. Weekly Sabbath and weekly worship. Maybe it means putting the phone down or turning something off and engaging with people and engaging with God and what he is doing in and around us. And so the thought here, the challenge, this lantern that we're lighting is let's hold to weekly Sabbath and weekly worship. Scholar Mark Laberton says it this way, Sabbath-keeping practice can unhook us from the appetite-driven and production-driven machine of our culture. Our culture is a machine, isn't it? Constantly pushing for the insatiable desire for more. It's what culture does. As apprentices of Jesus, something has to unhook us from that crazy, production-driven culture 
And the very thing that unhooks and unhinges us from all of that is weekly Sabbath. It's resting in Jesus. And weekly worship, it's gathering with the church family and recognizing I'm not alone in this because they're here and he's here and she's there and together we are seeking to respond to the greatness of God. And this cultivates inner righteousness. So at the beginning of this month, hold to these things. Hold to these things. Weekly Sabbath and weekly worship. Here's number two. Humble yourself by remembering what God has done for you. Sometimes we need to be humble, don't we? It's true. And so at the beginning, before the birth of Christ arrives, let's humble ourselves and keep in mind, here's what God has done for us. Author Brennan Manning states it this way, our religion never begins with what we do for God. And I think sometimes we forget about that because we like doing things for God. and We often think he's really pleased with all of our efforts, but we have to keep in mind our religion never begins with what we do for God. It always starts with what God has done for us, the great and wondrous things that God dreamed of and achieved for us in Christ Jesus. May we not forget, God loved And he loved so much that he sent his son, and that's Advent. Let's keep coming back to that. It's what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. And let's just allow this to humble us in unique ways. Number three, commit to your chair time with God. Get alone with him. Give great time to Scripture. Your chair time, your quiet time, your worship time, whatever you want to call that. This is a great month to give more time than what we normally give to that. And I will confess to you, as someone who loves spending time in Scripture and talks to the church about worship time and quiet time and chair time and the great priority that it is, this month can be a real struggle for me preparing sermons about the birth of Jesus and doing all kinds of other things to make sure other people see Jesus, often I say no to my own chair time because there's not enough time to pray. Too busy to pray. Too busy to read scripture. And again, we're having this Sunday to say, may it not be so for us this year. So whatever your time looks like in the chair with God, increase it. Give it more. And maybe you don't do that at all. That's an interesting thought to you. I would encourage you to begin with a few minutes of diving into Scripture, considering what it has to say, and then offering up some daily prayers to God and just see what that does for you in terms of grounding you in the reality of what God has done for us with the birth of Jesus. Give it a few minutes. And if you are already doing that, Increase your time and watch what God does to create inner righteousness on the inside of you as you walk through this month. And here's just a few practical helps with that. On our church app, we include a Monday through Friday reading plan. 
Often it contains scripture that we have looked at on Sunday, and that's the case this week as well. And if you don't have a plan at all, you can jump on the church app and just follow that Monday through Friday reading plan. And I would encourage you to do more than just read. Like, do more than just blaze through it and check it off. Like, God's going to be happy with me because I read Monday. This is great. Do more than just blaze through it. Okay? Sit in the text. Like, sit in it. And read it a second time. Read it a third time. Highlight keywords and search phrases and see what God does in your heart as you sit in the text. So that's one thing you can do. Here's another option. You can search online for an Advent reading plan. There's all kinds of great plans that will take you to the texts that talk about the birth of Christ and the angel's announcement and Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and all of the characters. And you can read about that throughout the month as we get closer to the birth of Jesus and allow that to stir inner character in you. Something else that can happen for you is I have put together a reference sheet of sources that I will be using throughout the month and creating these talks and different citations. And you can find that on the church app. You can also pick up a copy at Just For You. And there's 15 or 16 different books there. You might want to grab one of them and say, you know what, I'll use this throughout the month. The challenge here is to commit to your chair time with God. Whatever that looks like for you, do something and increase it. Because God's word in us during the month of December, it will sustain and it will guide us. Okay, number four, draw strength from prayer. Draw strength from prayer. I think it's funny that we occasionally talk about prayer in church because we should have that down, right? Like we're praying people, aren't we? You know, I don't know. Wherever we are in our prayer life, there's always a step to take. And as we think about developing inner character, what would it look like if you took this discipline and this spiritual practice seriously and gave more time to it and you drew strength from prayer? Like incredible things could happen. I think it's amazing that when you walk through Luke's gospel, you discover many different occasions where Jesus prays. He prays when he's filled with joy. And he also prays when he's sad. And when things don't look like they're going his way, he prays. He prays with groups of people. He also gets alone and spends time with God with no one else watching. So Jesus prayed in a variety of ways. And the lesson is not lost on his apprentices. They saw it. They watched Jesus pray with people by himself when he was happy, when he was sad. And they knew that Jesus, he received strength from time with his heavenly father.
Now, if Jesus needed to do that, right? I think you know where I'm going with this. If Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, needed to pray, and he drew strength from that while he was here on earth, what's our excuse? Like, this is something available to us, to knock on heaven's doors. So let's draw strength from prayer. If Jesus did it, we should probably do it as well. And prayer is a great thing for us. No doubt, we will all experience some challenges throughout the month. Financial challenges, relationship challenges, year-end challenges, and so on and so forth. The list is endless. What do we do with all of those challenges? I remember singing a hymn as a young boy. Maybe some of you will remember this hymn. It's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Just a beautiful song. And one of the verses states this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Like, that's an extraordinary line. Oh, what needless pain we bear. And and we love bearing things, don't we? Because we think we're big and strong and capable. And God says, stop. Stop it. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Take full advantage of what God offers and knock on heaven's doors. Maybe this would be a great month for you to institute family prayer. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you pray, but maybe your family has never prayed. What a great excuse to say, you know what, it's December, the birth of Jesus is coming, we're lighting Advent candles at church, the light is increasing as we get closer to the arrival of Jesus. Maybe we should just pray as a family for a little bit here, and for each other, for what's happening. I'd encourage you to do that. For you as couples... Maybe you should pray together before the day concludes and your needs and wants and hurts and wishes. What a great thing that would be to just knock on heaven's doors as a couple. For our singles, what about reaching out to a friend and saying, hey, throughout the week and throughout the month, let's call each other and pray over the phone. I pray with people over the phone all of the time, and I think it's amazing because God hears those conversations as well. And if that's what you need to do to knock on heaven's doors and to not carry needless burdens, then go for it. Draw strength from prayer. This builds inner righteousness. We probably all need it. Finally, number five, get generous. You know, there's just something about opening our hearts and our hands to God and giving up and choosing to live on less so that God's work can be accomplished in our communities and around the world. It's a reminder of how extravagantly generous God is to all of us. So this is why we become generous. Because God himself is shockingly generous. We follow his pattern. We follow his example. 
And there is a practical way for you to do that here right at Valley Point with our Christmas initiative. And I would invite you to freely and joyfully participate following the example of our generous God. Okay, here's why we do these things. Five. Five lanterns that are helping us come back home to God. And I think will give us a better December. Here's why we do this. It it cultivates inner righteousness. And you need that. And I need that. Doing these five things, it helps us pay attention to Jesus. In a month that often crowds him out of our lives. Doing these things, it helps us to pay attention to Jesus, which leads to loving others. Back to the big idea for today. Allow God's gift of himself to stir your heart toward inner righteousness. May God give us an amazing month of celebrating and being involved in all kinds of activities, all of which are fun and beneficial for us. But may all of that flow from paying attention to Jesus and making that decision today. May God help us do that. Father, we are so thankful for this first Sunday in December. I think it's an opportunity just to pause and stop. Set some things aside. And say, here we are. Help us. Help us. God, we've talked about five practical things that we can and should do. Help us to walk out of here in a few moments desiring to implement something that will build inner righteousness for us so that we can walk through this month paying attention to Jesus. We ask this in his wonderful name. Amen.